Hema Rajagopalan is the founder and artistic director of Natya Dance Theatre, an organization that specializes in performing and teaching Bharatanatyam, the dance theatre of India. Natya Dance Theatre celebrated its 40th anniversary with its 2014-2015 season. She is a dancer, teacher, choreographer of international repute, committed to preserving Bharatanatyam in its full integrity and developing the art form in new directions and bringing it to diverse audiences. Hema has performed as a soloist at prestigious venues throughout the world, receiving critical acclaim, noteworthy among them being the Mandapa in Paris, Bharti Vidya Bhavan, London, the Edinburgh Festival, the Festival of India at the Smithsonian Museum, the Field Museum in Chicago, Embassy of India in Geneva, and in India at the NCPA Mumbai, Krishnagana Sabha, and many more. Her gurus are some of the foremost figures in Bharatanatyam, Padma Shri Awadi Shri K. N. Dandayadapani Pillai and Padma Bhushan Awadi Shri Mithi Kalanidhi Narayanan. Among the many prestigious awards that Hema has received are an Emmy Award for the PBS production of World Stage Chicago, seven National Endowment for the Arts Choreography Awards, and in India, the Vishwakala Bharati Award for Artistic Excellence. In 2004, she was the first choreographer working in an Indian movement tradition to be selected by the Chicago Dance Makers Forum to create new work and was also honored by the Bhairavi Fine Arts Society and the Cleveland Thyagraja Aradhana with the Nritya Seva Mani. Hema is the first US-based dancer to receive this award in 2011. She was honored with a Lifetime Achievement Award by the Surya Dance Festival in St. Louis. Very recently, in 2021, the Sea Chicago Dance announced that Hema will be receiving the Dance Legacy Award in the fall. Scores of students have trained under Hema and her teaching accolades include the Master Teacher Award from the Asian American Heritage Council and the Master Teacher Award from the City of Chicago. She has served as a dance panelist with the National Endowment for the Arts, the Pew Charitable Trust, the Illinois Arts Council and other state art agencies. Hema has been appointed by the Canadian government to assess Bharatanatyam dance training programs. She conducts workshops and masterclasses at colleges and universities throughout the country. She is influenced by the evolving cultural environment around her and uses her art to foster cross-cultural understanding and social harmony. Um, so could you walk us through your introduction to Bharatanatyam and your initial period of training in Bharatanatyam? Oh, okay. So I was uh, six, I believe, in 1956 when my mother, who was uh, who had learned dance, Bharatanatyam, but had never really performed, um, found me very, very, very talented. I was dancing away in the aisles while Kamala Lakshman danced. So she thought, okay, let's put our daughter into a dance school. So she found a dance school near our house in Egmore, Guru Srimati Swarna Saraswati, who had just started her class. And uh, she was from the hereditary family and she was Palasaraswati's cousin. So since it was uh, very close to my house and my mother was only familiar with them, uh, with, you know, a few things there because she lived uh, in Delhi with my father and I was living with my grandparents at that time. Okay. So, because my father had uh, was moving from Bombay, she, he moved to Delhi. So things like that happened. And I was living with my grandparents at that time. 
So then uh, I started uh, training and apparently they found me to be very talented, like a sponge. I would deliver everything. So there were talks that my mother and father wanted to take me back to Delhi. And so my teacher thought that this girl is very talented. Let her do an arangetram. So in six months, she trained me. I don't know how, but uh, she trained me to do a full repertoire margam, a three-hour performance, which was audio taped. So that's how I know it's three hours. And containing, you know, like Alaripur, Jatiswaram, Shabdam, a Shringara-based Varnam, you know, Tanjavur Quartet. Krishnani Begane, Yevade Nenu Pavel in Chibela, Shankarabarnam Pada, a six-year-old. Um, so I did all that. Um, and got great reviews in the newspaper. And uh, at that time, uh, you know, my mother was wondering what to do because we were moving to Delhi. So it took me to, found, connected me to, somebody connected us to Dandarapani Pillai, uh, who then, you know, uh, advised us that his brother lives in Delhi, Pakiri Swami Pillai, and his wife, Pirija. Swami, and that although he's a violinist, he would, he would, he's already teaching. He was teaching Hema Malini at that time. Ah. So then, um, then we moved to Delhi, and so between fifty-seven and fifty-nine, I trained under him. But all the compositions were Dandadabani Pillai's choreography and compositions, and so I performed my Arangetram in nineteen fifty-nine in Delhi. And then my grandmother, who was based in Chennai, uh, of course, wanted me to present you know, dance in sabhas. And I started doing that, then continued my education with Dandada uh, Pandipulay, of course. And so there started my journey with Dandada Pandipulay's tutelage and his mentorship. And I learned a lot under him in the 60s. And I used to perform. And I used to also perform in the North. Uh, because I was based in Delhi. So three months I'll be in Chennai, go back, perform. This was my routine. And I was enjoying to perform and learn and uh, going on. So I was very, very busy just learning, nothing else. I was not exposed to the outside world at all. So you can imagine the six-year-old just being performing school. All I did was dance, right. school, <laughs> pop, rehearsals, no time for anything else. And it so happened that I got married when I was 17. And that was, uh, yeah. And um, so when we got married, uh, of course, I then went to school, my college. And um, so I did my undergraduate, then I did my graduation with, uh, in um, nutrition, but I was still performing. Right. That is the time which was a very idealistic, I was very idealistic. And I was not exposed to any outside world. So that's when I came to understand the world. And so I thought I was having, I mean, I got a shock, I would say, when I realized that one doesn't need to be just an artist, but you also need to be marketing your product. If absolutely. absolutely. And I thought that was absolutely not, uh, it, it was immoral to do that. It was not a good, it was unethical to do that. 
So I felt the bureaucracy and the political climate there just did not work for me. And uh, my parents were very good friends with Sonal Man Singh. He's my husband's uncle was very good friends with her. So at that time, in order to audience develop, she did Odissi and I did Parathanatya. Right. A few performances, but soon realized that she was very well connected. You know, she's very well connected. And there was some kind of, I mean, I realized, and she would, she would coach me and she'd say, you should be push propelling yourself. And I said, no, I don't want to do that. So I just felt not good about the whole scenario. And so I, I had my daughter at, uh, when I was, I think, 21, 22. And postpartum depression set in at that time. Um, and my husband said, let's, he had a green card. So he moved to, to, New, to New York and then to Chicago. And I followed soon just for a two year temporary because he was going to study here for two years. So when I landed here, that's when I realized that, you know, the environment here, I felt very upset with the Indians that lived here because very few Indians and they all wanted to melt into the melting pot, right. wanted to give up their identity, the Indianness they wanted to lose. They were not aware of their own cultural heritage, you know, rich culture, if I may say so. And at that point, there was a friend of ours uh, who one or two friends that we had, and he said, why don't you, why don't I arrange a performance and you dance? Because we have not seen a Bharatanatyam performance in a long time, right. which I did. Then a few students, parents, parents wanted me to teach. And that's when I said, listen, I cannot teach. I've never taught before. And uh, it was 74 when I called my guru, Dandada Pandipurle, and Vadir said, no, 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 go ahead and teach, nothing will happen. You'll learn how to do it <laughs> yourself. And unfortunately, he passed away that year. So I learned a lot from Dandada Pandipurle, of course, his compositions, his way of choreographing, his, he was such a visionary, he was far ahead of his times of utilizing space, dynamic move, momentum, and so on and so forth. So even though I was very young when I saw his work being done, I think I still carry all his principles and that's how I choreograph. And um, I also had the good fortune of meeting with uh, Kalani Dimami in the early eighties when I started uh, learning from her and found how inadequate I was in Abhinaya. And that's what the Abhinayajan No. <laughs> so that was my story. And I started teaching in a small way and then it expanded. And, and I used to tour with my musicians every year from 1980. I used to have two, two tours, one in the spring and one in the fall. So six months in a year, I was touring. So, you know, going to all the different cities and performing in the United States and Canada, I gathered a lot of fans that were, you know, in those days, not too many artists went by. Oh, uh, so then there used to be students that came to me from all different parts of the United States and stay with me in the summer to learn. So my school expanded. So after a certain while, which I didn't talk about earlier, the school expanded. I did started doing arangetrams, and after arangetrams, people just dumped it. You see, nothing happened after that. 
So that was when the dance company formed in 1995. Mm. And I realized that, that, you know, there was no point in my creating something and dumping it. Right. There was no continuous afterwards. So I must give them a platform. I must give them an opportunity to come back. And that's how the dance company formed. Which is very true because most of them think the Arangetram is the sort of a finale, which is technically not true. That is when you get on stage, your know, Ranga Pravesham is, that's right. right. But for most people, that is the end uh, to which they work towards. So it's quite unfortunate uh, because the, some, most of them, the journey does not continue after that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But how the dance company started, and I, I want to say that dance company has performed in prestigious places, has won universal acclaim, and we won an Emmy Award for the production. So a lot of, and then we also collaborate with a lot of. Um, well-known artists like Yo-Yo Ma or the Chicago Symphony Orchestra. Right. So also through the dance company, I mean, the point is if you're, if, if the teaching and the regiment is such that you, you strive for artistic excellence, the dancers are also at that level. At that level. The automatic rise. Yeah. Right. So if you give them opportunities to perform, then now the dance company starts touring. You know, see, that's how it was. So that's where we are now. It's a very big organization, of course, run by a board. And uh, so we have a school and we have a dance company. We have several teachers who are my own trained students, apart from Kritika being my co-artistic director. She also artistically moves the organization forward. It's beautiful. Um, so it's not just contemporary and traditional. I also would like you to touch upon some thought processes on how you bring uh, traditional dances uh, with relevant ideas and you know practices that we can use for today, not just perhaps a Naika Naika Baba, but there's so much more that you bring with dance. So perhaps if you could touch upon that, that would really help us as well. Yes, I think I was very fortunate. See, my work just grew organically. It was not... So when I say organically, it so happened that in, uh, for example, 1995, I believe it was when I was, our office was situated just opposite um, um, modern dance uh, companies and the artistic director. So we, I used to go into my office, they used to go into their office. And one day we just met in the lobby and she said, what do you do? I mean, what is Bharatanatyam and how do you do? And I said, well, I've seen modern dance, but you probably haven't seen Bharatanatyam. But she said, can you show me? And I said, okay, let's, and we were just dancing around in the lobby, you know, showing her adabus. And what do you mean by when you do all this, what do you mean? I said, you know, when I do pure dance, I'm not really meaning anything. It's just to be uh, just as an entertainment aspect of of this uh, of this main focus which is to communicate communicate uh, meanings in the lyrics or meanings in the words or whatever the artist wants to do that is how originally it was there right. you know, originally that's what it was there as a you know in between so then uh, but apart from that i said you know since she asked me that question it triggered my mind and i said 
but why can't we use it to do something else? She, she asked also this question. I said, of course, because, you know, in modern dance, they use body movement to communicate, not necessarily expression. There's no expression, right. but they express through the body. So that's how, you know, when you talk to other people, when you are, so then I, we created something called a conversation. The work was called conversation. So even with my pure dance, we were conversing, you know, we were doing things. So that's, that's what I'm saying. So it's more about thinking what, what is it that we are coming, how to reach out because the goal of our art form is to elevate the audience to a higher level or to communicate, right. right? That's the goal. So there is no, if if we are not doing that, then, you know, it loses its, um, you're not doing anything. So obviously I could not have conveyed Naika Naiki Bhava, that at least maybe you can, but not Bhakti and uh, Jivatma meeting the Paramatma to a diverse audience. How do right. I communicate that? How do I communicate our epics, you know, at least epics, dramatic, you know, Ramayana, we can tell a story and we can talk about it as a narrative, but the bhakti aspect is very difficult for them to handle. Right. And even, and even when we go on to the narratives, you know, even when we go on to a Shiva Puranam or, or even the Ramayana or even Mahabharata or Dashavataram or whatever, there are too many characters. So either there has to be a, a voiceover going, threading through the pieces in order to, con to communicate. Convey yeah. that, or there has to be some other means of doing it, right? Some other way. But also some of those things, for example, Krishna stealing butter. What does it, you know, how to a lay audience will you un make them understand? Why does Krishna... By the time I tell you about Krishna and for you to understand what it is going to take, you know, it's not possible and you're not going to understand it. But also understanding the underlying values of, of our own Puranas, we need to be educated. That is where I think a teacher in Bharatanatyam, whoever's teaching Bharatanatyam needs to be very educated and continually reading our philosophy and and um, interpretations of different, uh, you know, aspects. Otherwise, you cannot be communicating to. You can only be talking to Chennai audiences, if at all. But even then, the current generation not getting it. Right. That is why there is an unrest, and they say, "Oh, this is so outdated. We can't understand it." Why? Because we are not able to talk in their lingo, in their language. So, for example, if you tell them uh, stealing butter, why do we steal butter? And it is there in our uh, in the philosophy of, of Bhagavatam or whatever, because Krishna loves butter because it melts. The quality of butter is to melt. So he loves to eat butter. Where is the butter? If you keep your heart like a butter, he like butter, he will come and reside in your heart. So you invite God, so you want spirituality to reside in your heart, not necessarily Krishna, but you want to be spiritually inspired if you want to, you know, so in order to do that, you must have love for everybody, just mm -hmm. like my melting. So things like that, I communicate, you know, aspects like that.
For example, in another another way, Shiva and Parvati, you know, Ganga, Ganga story is very famous, right? Ganga comes down and gushing with so much of dynamic, uh, you know, fervor. Power and yeah. power. And then Shiva controls her and, you know, puts her into a, locks her up in his matted locks. Right. Now, I don't like that because I don't think any woman would like that either, you see? So the, the way I interpret it is differently. So I say, you know, Ganga was a river that, you know, uh, is, was in heaven and came down with so much power that Shiva was so uh, just totally admiring that quality and wanted to acquire that and wanted to be one with that with Ganga. So the way you put it, the way you approach it without too many characters involved and making sure, like for example, Brigu, uh, Sage Brigu, who, whose eye was, uh, who was, you know, who became a bee and circumambulated. So that's a very valid point for feminism today. So that people, uh, women can feel that, oh, we know even our Shastras have, even our uh, Puranas say that. So how Shiva and Parvati merged to show Brigu that they are one, right. they're not two. So these kind of, and the story is very intriguing. It's interesting to them. And transformations always keep happening. They love avatars and transformations and, you know, Harry Potter stories and those uh -huh. kind of things. And, um, you know, our, our art form, our mythology and and uh, stories are so, so colorful that it's, it's appealing to all age groups, you know? So I'm doing one, one recent production, which I'm going to premiere, which is called Love Transforms. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to take some different episodes from different pieces and weave them together to see how love can transform, which is a, a universally appealing, um, theme you know so from that point of view yes and from movement vocabulary one thing that i want to say is uh, the adavas are there now the adavas are not very they are every barney has a certain like i know you have a barney your tanjavur barney so that Rukhati, correct yes um that barney has a certain appeal and there is a certain way of doing things. Then we have our Bani, my Bani is Dandad Bani, Blaise Bani, also Tanjavur. But in the same Tanjavur, there are different, different Banis, correct? Yes. But I want to say that even amongst, in those days, I'm talking about even in the days where I, when I learned, when I learned there was a Varuvur Bani, then Tanjavur Bani was there, Yalapap, Kanchipuram Yalapap, Blaise Bani was there. Dandada Panipalai was there, then Kalakshitra was there, Dandada Panipalai was teaching there first. So what I want to say is that there were slight variations. They were not immense variations, but they Thanks. stuck to their pedagogy. And, you know, there was no need for them to work on movement vocabulary. Whereas mm -hmm. now, if you look at the Bharatanatyam scenario, the nitta has really developed and, you know, people are using dynamic movements, you know, the jatis become longer and, you know, how it is. So then, you know, it's visually appealing. 
Right. Because that's where you catch the audience. And uh, that's where I also have been exposed and I've been, I rebel in pure dance. So, but knowing your foundation is very important. If it is a not too audible, or if it's a not even though I do use charis a lot, right. I don't use a katana, but I use charis. So when I use a chari, when I develop a movement, I make sure that the the movement vocabulary fits into our scheme of Adabu. That it doesn't go, it's not so that you can't recognize this at all. I'll give you a very interesting aspect. Uh, we were working on a piece called the Genesis. Mm -hmm. And it was about you know, story of the Bible and there was something about Jesus Christ. That's a very contemporary way of putting it together. But there were, suddenly I left the room, I left the studio. My daughter Kritika was working with me at that time. She was also co-choreographing. And suddenly I see there were six dancers on the floor. They were all on the floor and they had their aramandis like this. Right. You know, they were all like aramandis. I said, what's happening here? Are you exercising or what? Then you know? she said, no, no, no. Uh, Kritika auntie told us all to, you know, hold this position. She's just coming. So she was there. I said, what's happening? Well, she said, these are all the trees and plantations and, you know, vegetation when Adam and Eve are walking through. I said, how can you do this, Kritika? She said, Amma, if you can sit in Aramandi on the floor like this, why can't you sit in Aramandi upside down? Mm. You know, put it here. Now, I didn't think about it. So you have to think outside the box. Right. But still be in that. No, Nati Shastra does not say it is grounded. It this is the way, right. So you can hold the position wherever you want. You know? So I think some of these things uh, I get, well, my journey is I get inspired by various um, various genres of art. And then I collaborate with other artists, you know, that also gives me, uh, you know. A lot not, of, yeah. We don't imitate, but we get inspired. Exactly. Whether it is Kathak, you know, when we, uh, when I collaborated with Kumudini Lakya, who's such a famous, big, experienced artist, when I collaborated with her, it was a different kind of exposure. Or when I collaborated with the Asta Debu recently, that was a different kind of a, you know, interaction, which makes the artist think in a different way. Different way. But ultimately you need to be very grounded in your art form. Then only can you create. Absolutely. I mean, the, you're doing the framework, but it's just the, uh, you know, the, innovation I guess you know you can you start thinking in different ways to use what you've used before but continue right. within the same framework and it's really amazing because you take so much of uh, you know inspiration and ideas from each other it's always this give and take right yes yes absolutely yeah even poetry can inspire you you know True. so and your mind can start thinking different ways you know absolutely. so and, and recently, yeah, recently one of my students, she's actually going to perform at Arangetram next Saturday. 
she's a very beautiful pianist and she and i was thinking why not you know use a her piano you know performance uh, piece it's a beethoven concerto i know that a lot of people have done it but being in just because i heard that and i was inspired by it and i'm doing something called surpanaka it's purely about surpanaka and how she feels her experiences you know how she paint so i think and why do i do that not because why there has to be a reason okay why is it necessary for me to bring in a piano concerto in an arangetra is it just because i want to be contemporary or whatever no one because this child has spent so many years learning piano and this is one way of uh, showcasing showcasing right absolutely right two it will be very appealing to a large number of audience because many of them many of our peers and many of uh, their friends would uh, be listening to western music anyway we are Absolutely. in but if this has to be done just because you want to do shok chennai le season la music academy le na piano concerto pandra it won't make any sense you know there has to be reason why you want to do a contemporary i mean you want to contemporize or you want to do something different that's why i'm saying that you need to be organically moved in order to go to that point you don't force yourself to go into that point and ultimately the audience is uh, you need to convey what your idea to the audience so or your emotion almost to the audience so if the audience is not going to connect with what you're doing or if that's not their milieu then you're just reaching out in the wrong sense so yeah. that does not reach the audience in the end and that's that's unfortunate because your your idea would have been evolved for a different audience then so actually connecting and recognizing the correct audience is equally important for any dancer absolutely and when you talked about naika bhava i we, we use i don't have a single performance where i don't use abhinaya in its most subtlest form even if it is um, even in asta debu's uh, you know work that we did together which was called inai i performed basically i did a padam i did a chetre padam and i also did bargalamo which was very relevant but i treated bargalamo in a different way because black lives matter was was the theme at that time here in um, in united states and you know a lot of unrest is there so i talked about marginalization in every genre in every uh, strata whether it's right. at work or whether it's at home whether it's in a in a party or wherever you know marginalization happens and how would nandana you know nandana's uh, gopalakrishna ka bharati's words fit into this right so i think it's a question of getting the right lyrics getting the right amount of uh, feel for what you want to express and certainly our naika our padams you know have a whole i would say a treasure chest of uh, emotions and poetry which is simply marvelous so i don't uh, refrain from using padams and jabalis and they are the most easily expressive you know absolutely and what is amazing is uh, they fit into the most uh, i would say modern of issues as well 
Exactly, exactly. You can be angry, you can be, you know, exactly. you, you are cheated, you're a cheated Naika. You, you, you still have a cheated, uh, you know, a lover who cheats. We can definitely yeah, exactly. for that. People love it, you know. So why not? I, so we are not at all outdated. You know, we are very covered. That's why I say we are very contemporary. <laughs> very true. Absolutely. But uh, coming to a different issue, right? Uh, for most dancers, uh, you know, you included, uh, dancing is your breath, right? I mean, that, that is your life and sustenance. When do you think or when is it time to hang those bells? Hang those bells. Uh, you know, as a dancer, I, I'm 70 years old, let's say. And um, there was a reason why I stopped uh, or I, I said I won't perform somewhere in 99, 98, somewhere along that. Only because I needed to give a my platform to my younger dancers or my, my own students and my own daughter so that, you know, the younger generation comes forward. In fact, I think it was in Sudarani Raghupati's house or somewhere that we all met long time ago. I'm not sure. Dhananjay and me. So, so many people, we talked about it and we said, even in the Sabhas, the older generation should not dance anymore and the younger generation. That was one of the reasons. But then, no, but I think everyone felt that, and they are still dancing and which is very good. Everyone felt that all this has its own, uh, you know, value. Right. And experienced dancer, even now when she or he does something, is amazingly beautiful to watch. You know, that has its own place. And I don't believe that you have to hang up your bells at any time at all. If you are there, like look at C.V. Chandra Shekharana. He's still Absolutely. going to be an inspiration. An inspiration. So I don't think we need to say, okay, this is it for us, unless you want to, you know. But I enjoy teaching and choreographing and uh, choreographing. And uh, so I don't think I'm ready to hang up at any point unless my health fails and I feel I have to. Doing, and even though I did a Trikala Jati, Jati, one Jati I did in the Inai piece and uh, Inai production. That was only because Astad said, no, 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 you need to do a jati and we need to, I need to see how I can negotiate that jati. I said, okay. But what I'm saying is, I don't think I'm able to do full justice to what I was doing before. Right. In, our, in that case, dancers at this age must say, let's not do that, but let's do something else which is valuable, which is more expressional, which is enjoyable by everybody. No, absolutely. I completely agree because the experience and just the maturity that, you know, um, senior dancers project is something that younger dancers can learn from. But the reason yes. I bring this up is because, you know, this is um, a, a voice that has been raised given that, you know, the platforms are few or rather they're too many, but yes. visible platforms are less. And so, you know, this does come up and I felt that, you know, I do agree. I 100% agree. And I think we did do that. And I was one of the few that stopped dancing. I stopped it. I did not dance anymore. I never seeked any kind of, uh, you know, opportunity. Right. Absolutely. And 
moving on to you know um, a larger organization perhaps rather than individual dancer so how can art organizations in india particularly um, engage better with experienced artists like you know they they carry this treasure trove of knowledge uh, and almost memories like you know you were sharing uh, but over a period of time that's going to be lost uh, because we're not able to reach out to them and uh, you know talk to them and learn from them a lot of them of course uh, physically might not be able to take extended classes but what do you think art organizations or uh, even government organizations cultural entities from india what do you think that they can do i think what you're doing is phenomenal similarly i've done i've been on other other platforms like this and i think such kind of thing should be encouraged here in chicago we have something called the chicago historical society and there's another another one where um, they archive you know our talks every so often they would ask us to document things you know so that it is kept in the library you know so that it is a video that is archived and anyone can go there and it's in the newberry library in chicago so um they they encourage that and in new york for example there is this library which where they the new york library holds right. a huge collection so and of course this these these are i think apart from that you know when they do have these annual uh conferences every year music academy has it and uh you know so many other organizations i think there should be a segment where they dedicated to just having conversations with with artists who are you know in their late years or whatever so that they can share their experiences i know that i we all talk i also have talked so many times they ask about you know certain subject matters but i think right. talking about pertinent things you know about following a pedagogy or how do you teach or how do you maintain and sustain the integrity of the art form so that it doesn't get diluted and so that it doesn't go into all kinds of things as well as the fact that we must give thought to younger generation where they have brilliant new ideas and how do you embrace those ideas how do you Thanks. embrace them? so i think those forums should be encouraged really and and documented and archived for future future generations and here they do that in fact i found a few years ago it was at the newberry library that there was a woman her name was ann barzell who was a ballet dancer was an older woman when i met her when she met me in the 80s actually so she started this i mean she was having so and she donated all her archives to the newberry library wow. and so that's where they connected with me and i went and saw even i don't have those flyers and uh, you know <laughs> so it's from the early 80s you know when i don't even have those flyers so what i'm saying is and and they are very interested for example even with simple things like you know how many students did you have do you have a thing have you written some notes in your handwriting i said yes i have i i when i sketch can you part with that can you take out this thing so our team is actually working because my garage is full of my archives and and there are interns working to document and collect and archive and label 
and treat them properly to donate it to the library. So I think it's important, you know, if I have to think back and say, okay, in, in some 80 or something like that, I did a production called this, uh, Dance of Life, which I did, which was on different religions and I, my thought process. Right. I have a book. I'm sure all artists have those kind of things. But then for a, for a student who really wants to learn and say, how do I proceed to choreograph? Right. If they go back and say, okay, what did I do first? What did I do second? They kind of get inspired. Not that they have to copy, but they can get inspired and continue. And these are, these are important uh, documents. Absolutely, because it's actually getting into your mind. And I think that's fascinating because uh, the way you thought about it, perhaps the way you changed or pivoted an idea, um, just because you, you, you know, saw someone else dance or you saw a better uh, interpretation of something, uh, your mind uh, is, is so rich, right? And that's what, you know, the, the whole point of these podcasts as well is to uh, document for posterity because most of us never really deep dive or talk about certain subjects. It's more like, right. you know, how is it here or how is it there or are you performing? But it's very important to go into the mind of the person to see what they think about certain things and how they've changed. Perhaps you've changed so many ideas over a period of years uh, or stood by some, right? Very strongly. Yes, yes. Stood by, definitely, you know, because I want to hold the integrity of the art form. That should not get away. But at the yeah. same time, how do I negotiate this thought to the others, right? So then the group choreography, for example, started somewhere in the 70s because, uh, late 70s, because my students were there. Now, how do, in the first annual day, they all did solo, solo, solo. Then next annual day, oh, there were more, like 15, 20, 30. How do you put 30 people on the stage within that framework, right? So then you start choreographing. Then you start right. putting it together in a group production. But I was never happy with putting them in a group, Jadiswaram, everyone doing the same side. No. So I was very interested in, um, you know, creating new patterns so that they're not just visually the same. Then it loses its intent. It's like 10 people doing the same thing. No, mm -hmm. that's not gonna happen. So that's where my journey of creating patterns started, you know, choreographing. So how does group choreography then became a staple? They didn't want solo dance performances anymore. In the United States, even that's why I stopped even touring because I was touring till 99, 2000, but then slowly no one preferred solo performances, even accompanied by live music. They would rather have spectacular group. group. Right. Yeah, that's when, and when you mix, when you bring in a group and you see what is it that it would be relevant, our signature piece called Shakti Chakra is very based on mythology, but at the same time, there is a pure dance section for everyone. So it's based on creation, sustenance, protection, like that, and this dissolution, uh, the five activities of God, right? But then there was a pure dance section for at least five minutes preceding. So if there, if there, right. so if there was creation, if Brahma is creating the world, which was lying and is, is Nabi Kamalam is opening, all that comes later, it's a narrative. But mm. can the audience understand that just simply through a group performing. 
So they did an alari, you know, like slowly opening out in different ways. So it was something like that. So what I'm saying is, in order to convey that idea to a diverse audience, I needed to use pure dance. So like that, at the same time, I'm using Alaripu, I'm using pure dance, I'm using Adobus in a group, but it gives you a visual image of something sprouting. And actually what happened was, I can tell you that very clearly, because that's very interesting. I was thinking this creation, how would I show creation? How do I show creation? I know that God thought about this, Brahma created, but that would be even that, even from his Nabi Kamalam, even the, uh, even from his Nabi, you know, the sprouting has to come, even the uh, thought has to come. And of course, from the Rig Veda, the opening comes from, you know, Hiranyagarbha. So it was a seed originally. At that time, there was a person that came to my house and he was waiting for my student to finish. He was a scientist and he had come to a lab here. Uh, he was from, a scientist from India, actually. And he was, was visiting. It was at that time that they had developed the quark, which is the smaller part of the atom. Yes. Okay. So I didn't know that there was something inside. I know protons and neutrons. I knew that, but... This is even smaller than that. Smaller, so, yeah. You know, they, they just found the quark and the scientist was responsible for that. And he said, it is this quark. So that's how I started visualizing and I drew my on my paper how I would... So there would be one quark that comes up, you know, opens up like that, right? So I think inspiration from various... You need to be like a sponge open to anything. And then, you know, do that. And it's, it's actually fascinating because I, I just go back to when you were hesitant to even teach. And, uh, you know, you just see this beautiful progression where, uh, you know, you take from science and you're, you're, you know, choreographing for your students. And that, that journey itself would have been absolutely fascinating for you. Um, not yes. really, us, but yeah. Fascinating. absolutely fascinating even, even the simple things like i studied microbiology and i did um, the synthesis of protein it's a you know like ribosome but i never understood it all i did was memorize it never get it done so one day i was walking through a museum here science and industrial museum and this visual was playing you know it was a it was a visual i said oh my god this is pretty my god this is how it is I <laughs> when the thing and the coming so right away my mind you know started thinking about patterns you know what it does you know when you create ladders for example or you know how do you build on it so then i thought you know, just simply doing five people doing it. Why not use that to communicate something rather than just that? Just so. that. Yeah. Now that's beautiful. Thank you so much, Hemanti. I cannot thank you enough. It's You've spent so much time <laughs> and given willingly. I mean, you've discussed everything um, that you know, uh, you thought was important in your artistic uh, journey. So we can only thank you because it's as I as I told you earlier. I think it's critically important to 
talk to people you learn so much just by talking to them um, and also for a lot of uh, experienced dancers because they've been through it all so you know you see the journey you see the way they've innovated you see their changes and you learn you learn a lot from them you take a lot from them so i can only thank you so much for spending so much time with us thank you i appreciate it thank you so much <laughs> thank you